This morning we're continuing our series in the Gospel of John. And so if you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. This is the Word of God. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Amen. We thank God for this, his word. John chapter 3, we're focusing on the, the first half of the story of Jesus meeting Nicodemus. So let's pray and ask God to help us as we spend some time in these verses this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have given us your word. And Lord, as we take some time to think about it now, we pray that your spirit would indeed be at work in each of our hearts, changing us giving us eyes to see, giving us ears to hear, and hearts that are soft and willing to believe and receive. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two summers ago, I was on my summer placement up in Dunmurray, and uh, I was doing some pastoral visits. And uh, just before I went into my, my last pastoral visit of the day, I, I glanced at my phone, saw there's a few new emails that come in, and realized that they were from Facebook. Now, the emails said something like this. They said, someone has logged into your account from a new device and a new location. Well, I, I knew it wasn't me, okay, but I read on, and it said, don't be alarmed, because all you have to do, if this isn't you, is let us know, and we can take care of it all. So I thought, well, I'll not get alarmed then. And off I went to uh, complete my last call of the day. And then I went back to the church where I could get Wi-Fi, and then I thought, I'll get onto my laptop, and I will sort out whatever it is they need me to sort out. Now, the problem was, whenever I got back to the church, whoever it was who had logged into my account, well, they had changed my password, okay? That made it slightly more complicated, but don't worry, Facebook had obviously thought that through, and so they said that, you know, if they've changed your password, don't worry, just click this button, and we will send you a link via email, uh, and you can, you know, get back into your account. So they did that. I, I, I uh, clicked the button, only to realize that the account was now linked to a new email address of said hacker. 
Well, Facebook had obviously seen this before, and so you know, they weren't fresh to the idea. And they said, don't worry, if that happens, all you need to do is uh, take a picture of your ID, send it through to us, we'll see that you are who you say you are, and then we will give you back your account. So I took a picture of the ID, and I sent them in, pictures of myself, being who I actually am. And they said, no, this is not you. <laughs> this account does not belong to you, and so you cannot get back into your account. And I was left there saying, well, isn't there another way? Isn't there another way? No, that was the three options. I'd used them all, and they would not let me back into my account. And so now, I have a double identity on Facebook. And so if I say something really nasty to you, just assume it's the other one, okay? <laughs> but isn't there another way in? Well, that's the question that we're thinking about today. And it's, it's not a question about how to get into to Facebook, as important as you might think that might be, or unimportant as you might think that might be. That's really of quite limited value, isn't it? as frustrating as it might be to me. <laughs> but today we're thinking about a question that is much more weighty because this is the question of how do you get into the kingdom of God? How do you get into the kingdom of God? And it, that just doesn't have, have limited value. That has eternal value, doesn't it? How do we get into the kingdom of God? That's what we're thinking about in today's passage. Now, before we, we jump in, uh, let's just notice that the passage that we're starting with today actually links to what has come before. The, the ESV starts off, it says, Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And the fact that we have now there shows that this, this section, 3 verse 1, is linked to what has just come before. And that's really significant because glance back up and see what happens in verses 23, 24, and 25. You looked at that last week. What happens? Well, People are believing in Jesus' name. They're believing in Jesus' name when they saw the signs. And yet, here's maybe the surprise. The surprise is that Jesus did not entrust himself to them. We're told that the reason was because he knew all people. He knew what was in man. In other words, Jesus knew what was really going on in their hearts. Now, Initially, as we read that, we think they believe in Jesus' name. Surely that's a positive thing, okay? People believed in Jesus, and yet as we read on, we realize that they do not believe in Jesus as the Son of God. <laughs> that's the big, the big problem. They have a belief in Jesus, but it's, it's not the belief that Jesus actually requires. And so this morning, it's really important to see that believing is not enough, <laughs> You need to believe in the right thing. It seems that as we, we come to the story of Nicodemus, it's almost like a case in point for John, as he highlights someone who believes but doesn't believe in the right thing, and so he is not in the kingdom. Here's a man who holds some sort of belief, sees the signs, and yet the belief that he holds is not the right belief. So let's look a bit more uh, in detail at the story. Verse 1, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So here we have Nicodemus. We're introduced to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, one of the religious leaders of the Jews. 
He was a, a scholar. He was a theologian. He was a thinker, wasn't he? And he's one of the rulers among the Jewish people. So he's a senior figure. It's not his first day on the block. No, he's a senior figure. He's no doubt highly regarded and respected. And we're told that Nicodemus comes and seeks out Jesus at night. So there's a couple of things to note there. Firstly, he comes to seek out Jesus uh, and that by itself is quite something, considering what we know about lots of the rest of the Pharisees. They weren't open to Jesus at all, but here he comes and he seeks out Jesus. And we're also told that he comes at night. Now, now why, would, why would John tell us that? What's John wanting us to, to see? Well, it could be that Nicodemus didn't want to be seen by the rest of the Pharisees. That's why he was coming under the cover of darkness. Could be. Could be that Nicodemus worked really hard during the day and that nighttime was his only time that he could come to see Jesus. Could be. We're not told. But we are told that Nicodemus is in spiritual darkness. If we read on later, that's what we'll see. Nicodemus is in spiritual darkness and he has come to Jesus, the one who is, well, we know from the prologue, Jesus is the true light of the world. Now, what does he, he say to Jesus, this Nicodemus man, this theologian, as he, he arrives to see Jesus, what does he say? He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one else can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus has been paying attention, right? Nicodemus wasn't falling asleep in church. No, Nicodemus was paying attention, right? He, he, he can, he's clearly been giving this some thought. He's been watching on at what Jesus has been doing. He's been thinking about it, and his conclusion is this. His conclusion is, Jesus, you must be from God because all of those signs that you're doing, well, they're clearly authentication marks. Like, they're, they're, they're the real deal. God is obviously at work. But then look at his conclusion, because his conclusion is this. Therefore, Jesus you must be a teacher. You must be a teacher sent from God. You see, sometimes theologians can get it wrong, okay? Theologians can get it wrong. And so this is a, a word of warning, not to trust everything that someone says just because they tell you that they are a theologian, okay? Even a, a great big group of bishops can make a wrong choice, okay? But no, the question is, are they in step with the Bible? That's the key question. Are they in step with the Bible? And in this case, and we're going to see this next week as well, Nicodemus has failed to understand. He has failed to understand the Scriptures, and that's the very thing that has led him to the wrong conclusion, a lack of understanding of the Scriptures. If you look down, you'll see that in verse 9. Now I realize we're sneaking on to, to next week's passage, but you can just have a little glance. You see, Jesus was not just a good teacher. Now, Jesus is the very Son of God, and that is very different. He is the very Word became flesh. That's the key. So what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say to the theologian who, who really hasn't grasped his, his true identity? Well, Jesus says something really important. He says, truly, truly, or if you're using the NIV, it might be very, very uh, truly, 
I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, notice how Jesus starts. Jesus starts by saying, truly, truly. Now, that's really important, okay? It's really important because it highlights that Jesus is saying, this is really important, okay? This is a, a weighty thing. This is a serious thing. And so it's, it's almost like he's saying, Nicodemus, don't miss this. Don't miss this. So what is this really important message that he has for Nicodemus? Well, verse 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus sets out to Nicodemus some really clear conditions, doesn't he? And the condition is this, you must be born again, you must be born again, whatever that means, to be able to see the kingdom of God, whatever that means. So the implication is, if you're not born again, then you will not see the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, then you will not enter the kingdom of God. That's a really clear condition that we see set out in this text, isn't it? So what would Nicodemus have understood by what Jesus was saying? Well, that term, that the kingdom of God, actually, there's no direct, exact phrase, the kingdom of God in the Old Testament, but there is much talk of a future kingdom. There's many, uh, many allusions to the kingdom to come and what that would actually be like. A kingdom where there would be a forever king and a forever king would rule. A kingdom where there would be peace and flourishing for God's people. A kingdom of justice and righteousness. A kingdom where God would once again dwell with his people. So I think that's what Nicodemus would have, would have went to in his mind. And I assume that Nicodemus, being a devout Jew, a leader among the Pharisees, no less, he would have surely thought that he was going to be in the kingdom. Surely he, of all people, was going to be in the kingdom. And yet, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus pushes back against that, and Jesus says, no, no, no. It doesn't matter if you're super religious. It doesn't matter what religious family you've been born into. You might look like you live a, a, a really righteous life, striving after doing the right things. And yet Jesus says, unless, unless you're actually born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So what does he mean by being born again? Well, it's a strange idea, right? <laughs> being born again. Nicodemus seems to struggle to grasp uh, what Jesus meant to. He has a stab at it in verse 4, doesn't he? We see that. He thought Jesus was, was talking of a, of a second physical birth. Now, I've, I've seen one birth, okay? Two if you count my own, but I don't really have much of a recollection about that. Uh, and the idea that at some point later after the birth, that the baby or a, a toddler or a, or a fully grown adult would, would re-enter the mommy's tummy, well, that seems like a non-starter, doesn't it? And presumably Nicodemus can't get this out of his head. And he's thinking, I, I, I just don't, I can't see it. How will this work? Verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What does Jesus say? Well, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit 
is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what's Jesus really doing here? Well, he's, he's really explaining to Nicodemus, isn't he? He's explaining to Nicodemus what it is to be born again. That's what this, this whole wee chunk is about. This is what it looks like to be born again. And notice again in, in his response, he starts off by saying, truly, truly. Okay, so remember, that's the same repetition from verse 3. What does that tell us? That tells us this is really, really important, okay? You need to pay attention. This is weighty, weighty stuff. Don't miss it, Nicodemus. And notice again that Jesus stresses the condition. Unless X, there is no Y, okay? Unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, well, then you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is really, really clear. Do you see the necessity? There is no other way. It must happen. If this does not happen, then this will not happen. That's what we see. It is a necessity. You must be born again. And this time, we see a slight change because he doesn't actually say born again this time. Or if you're translating born again, you could also translate it as being born from above. And I think that's really helpful to understand what's really happening here. But this time he says, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And what was Jesus doing here? Well, he was really using the same, different words to say exactly the same thing. That's basically what's happening here, okay? Okay. Being born again is the same as being born of the water and the Spirit. So in no way is Jesus contradicting himself. It wasn't like he was saying, well, this is the thing that you must do. This must happen to get in. And then, oh, no, actually, now, now it's a different thing. No, he, he's not doing that at all, okay? He's, there's no contradiction. But rather, what Jesus is, is, is doing is he's saying it in a slightly different way to, to shed, a, shed a little bit more light, maybe to to pick up on some things that Nicodemus should, should pick up on. Because I think for us to understand what is meant by water and spirit, we really need to go back to the Old Testament. We had our, our call to worship from Isaiah. Maybe you picked up on some of that language there. But listen to these words from Ezekiel. These are especially helpful whenever we think about what Jesus was meaning when he talks about um, this. Ezekiel 36 24 and 20 to 28, it says this, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. I wonder, did you see it? Did you see the language of the Old Testament, the idea of water? cleansing and purifying from sin, and the Spirit bringing this new life. Did you spot it there? 
The spiritually dead heart is replaced with a brand new one. The heart of stone is taken and made into a heart of flesh, one that's spiritually alive, one that leads you to seek after God and put your trust in Jesus. And did you notice in those verses from Ezekiel, who was the active party? Who was the one who's actually bringing it about? Because it's God, isn't it? Listen again, picking up on that point. Listen out to who, who is actually active here. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. From all your uncleanliness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. It's impossible to miss it, isn't it? Who's the one who's at work here? Well, it's, it's God, isn't it? He's the one who's at work here. It's impossible not to see that, isn't it? And so this new birth that Jesus is talking about is, is not something that, that Nicodemus could somehow drum up within himself. No, that, that wouldn't work because it's something that only God can do. Because spiritual rebirth, this being born again, is, is something that comes from above. It comes down from above. It's something that God does. It is not from within. See, the Old Testament prophets, they knew that they had a problem. They knew that the problem was sin. They knew that the problem of sin had to be dealt with before you could become one of God's people. And Jesus is saying exactly the same thing, isn't he? And this is how the process starts. This is how the, the journey of salvation, this is how the journey of becoming a Christian Starts, it starts with God changing our hearts. That's how it starts. God changes our hearts. He takes a stony heart, a, a heart that is dead, a heart that would never choose to follow Jesus, and he breathes life into it so that we might choose to follow after Jesus. The language that we use for this is a, a word called regeneration. It's a Sounds like a big word, doesn't it? But it's a Bible word. We, we, we noticed it in, in Titus, uh, the, the book that we were working through before Christmas. And regeneration is being born again. Regeneration is being born from above. Regeneration is being born of the water and the Spirit. Whatever language you want to use to describe it, that's what's taking place. Regeneration. And here's the thing. We don't get to decide when regeneration takes place. We don't get to, the, to choose to be regenerated. We can't say, well, on Monday morning at 11.52, I am going to be regenerated. <laughs> because we don't get to choose. That's something that God does. God is the one who decides to regenerate us, to change our hearts, to bring our hearts to life. Now, you might be here today, and, and you're a Christian, and you say, well, I can look back to a, a very particular moment in time, a very particular time, and that was the moment whenever I became a Christian. And that is wonderful. That is really good news. Or maybe you're here this morning and, and you look back at it, you would say it was, it was more of a gradual thing. I came to, 
I don't know, I came to an understanding over a period of time until one day I got to the point where I was like, yes, this is what I believe. It was a gradual thing. And again, that is also a wonderful thing. But those experiences in no way take away from the fact that God's Spirit regenerated your heart in order to that, for that to take place. Because if God had not regenerated your heart, you would never choose to follow after Jesus. You would never put your trust in Jesus as the Son of God. You would never seek Him out as the one who could save you from your sin. We do not control our regeneration. That's something that only God can do. And just look at the illustration that Jesus himself uses to describe it. Jesus says, think about the wind, okay? We cannot see wind. We've thought about that earlier, haven't we? We can't see wind. We do not control the wind. It blows where it wishes. You cannot see where it comes from or where it's going. It's not like you think, well, the wind, it headed out the front door, turned left on, down into Rich Hill, up the main street, you know, up past the Chevy, up past the Chinese. No, 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 we, no, we don't see where it's going, its final destination. No, we, it blows where it wishes. But when a big wind comes through, you know that it's been there, don't you? Maybe you're lying in bed, and as we said to the kids, you, you hear the noise. You hear your bin tumble over. You realize that it was the, the green bin, and all the, the tin cans are rolling down the avenue. You can hear it, can't you? Then you hear your next-door neighbor's car alarm going off because your bin fell and hit their car. You know, it, the wind leaves a trail, doesn't it? And that's what happened when, whenever God's Spirit changes our heart. It, it leaves a trail. It leaves a trail. Things start to change. Maybe, maybe you're, you're here today and you're a Christian and, and you can say, yeah, that is absolutely my story. I was happily going along with life. I was doing whatever I wanted. I had no care in the world for God or anything to do with Him. And yet then, boom, something happened. And my life was transformed. It has never been the same since. I get the pleasure of popping in to visit some of you guys uh, throughout the week. And I, I love, always enjoy that. It's a real privilege and a pleasure. And sometimes I get to hear your story of, of how you've come to faith. And that's really special. One of you said that um, you used to say, oh, yeah, I, it, was a, it was a particular day and I, I chose to follow Jesus. And then you said, well, now I say, actually, looking back, I realized God just grabbed me by the scruff of the neck, you know? That's what happened. And he saved me and rescued me. The wind blows as if it comes from above. And being born from above is what must happen if we are to enter the kingdom of God, but it must happen to us. God must do it. We cannot contribute anything to our being born again. We can't do it. It's a sovereign work of God, but you must be born again. There is no other way in. It is the only way into the kingdom of God. No religious credentials get you in. You might be here this morning, you might look the part. You might give the impression that you're a Christian. In fact, like Nicodemus, you might assume that you are in the kingdom of God. 
Maybe you serve. Maybe you're on church committee. Maybe you're a, a leader in place or in zone, or maybe you, you play up in the bands. Maybe you're part of a, a family that's pretty famous in, in Rich Hill, you know? Grandparents, great-grandparents that were godly Christians and have left a real legacy. Those are all wonderful blessings, aren't they? But unless one is born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So I wonder this morning, have you? Have you experienced this new birth? Have you believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you sought out that new life that comes? Because you've got this desire in your heart that's been brought about only by God at work. Maybe you're here this morning and, and actually you feel that desire now. You feel that God's Spirit has been at work, changing your life, bringing you to the point where you want to put your trust in Jesus, the Son of God, and experience the new life that comes with being one of his followers. If that's you this morning, well then, I'd love you to come before God in prayer. Let me just stick up a prayer on the screen. You can stick that forward there. It's maybe not working. Here's a prayer that if you're not a Christian this morning, but you feel like God is bringing you to that point, that that rebirth has taken place, and the next step is believing and receiving Jesus, well, here's a way that you could do that. Let me just read it out. Heavenly Father, I come to you and confess my sin. I ask that you will forgive me for my sin. I recognize that Jesus came from above and lived the perfect life and died on the cross to take my place. He then was raised to life from the third day to everlasting life. And I want to accept the free gift of Christ Jesus, the Son of God, as the Savior for my sin. Help me to live with Jesus as Lord of my life. Maybe for you that's where you're at this morning. That's your response. Maybe for some of the rest of us, we've been Christians for some time and we want to just thank God that he has worked in our lives. Maybe there's people that we're friendly with, family members who have not come to saving faith and we want to pray that God would work in their hearts. Maybe it seems like they're far off as if, as if they're in a completely different world, <laughs> rejecting God and yet, if it's God who can work, well, then he can bring about that transformation. I'm just going to give you some time to respond. If this is your prayer, well, then I'm going to leave it up on the screen for a minute, and you can echo that in your own heart. I'm just going to give some time for us all to respond. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are gracious and merciful. Thank you that you would take sinners who have rejected you 
and you'd bring their hearts to life. Father, thank you that you're still working today, that you're still bringing hearts to life so that people believe and receive Jesus and follow after him. So, Father, we pray that you would continue to work in that way. Father, would the wind of your spirit blow through us now as a congregation? And for those who do not know you, might you bring their dead hearts to life? Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.